Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. Another year is done and now it is 2023, which means all of these things. You got to put away or throw out that tree. You got to pack up those decorations. You tell people, man, that year went by so fast because literally everyone thinks that, I think. And then you also have to accidentally write a two and then write a three over it. Gabby, do you have any New Year's moments, something that happens every new year that isn't a resolution? Uh, well, as far as the tree goes, that made me think, cause we always get a real tree. Mm-hmm. So we usually like cap off the end of the year with like a bonfire in the backyard, which oh, is always nice. That yeah. is cool. That's cool. Well, that aside, uh, you know, two years running now we're here on this podcast and we've done these new year outlook episodes and it's a chance for us to talk about just some of the news stories you should keep an eye on in 2023. By the end of this episode, we're also going to take a look back and see the outcomes of last year's episode. And we'll get into some KRQE resolutions by the end, so stick with us. But let's start with 2023. The topics here range from politics to what's happening in the courts to some entertainment-related stuff in New Mexico this year. Hopefully, this will serve as a good breakdown of just a few things to watch for and things that we will be keeping an eye on this year. We're going to start with something that's basically starting up with the new year, and that's what, Chris, you're calling the state political shuffle, which when I read that, it does sound like a dance that you've invented. It is not to make it seem like the Cupid Shuffle, because I will say <laughs> I kind of hate the Cupid Shuffle, but that's <laughs> that's a whole nother story. So yes, the state political shuffle. I think we've got a few things to talk about in state politics and pay attention to, but we're going to break them down kind of in three areas, I think, here. We'll first start with a leadership focus, as in new year, new terms, new lawmakers, and we'll see what difference that makes in state politics. So in the smoke, the mist of this shuffle, most notably return of the governor. Four more years. Let's get it done. God bless you. God bless New Mexico! Michelle Lujan Grisham, she starts her second term. She defeated Mark Ronchetti in the November election. So what does she focus her agenda on in the second term? We can get a little bit more into that shortly, but Gabby, who's another player? Another note in the political shuffle, the rise of the new AG. And I guarantee you and promise you that the Attorney General's office from day one will be focused on rebuilding the devastated communities in northern New Mexico. Raul Torres is New Mexico's new attorney general, replacing Hector Balderas. He's coming from his role in the Bernalillo County District Attorney's Office, where, along with prosecuting some big criminal cases, he also spent the last several years lobbying state lawmakers for more funding for DAs, and he's looking for a slew of changes in the criminal justice system. DA, DA, stay safe, everybody. We also have a new class in the New Mexico House of Representatives, 17 freshman House lawmakers of 70 total. It's nine new Democrats and eight new Republicans. While the balance of power hasn't shifted in party control, you are seeing more new voices and fewer longtime lawmakers. Yeah, and also along those lines, new leadership on both sides of the aisle. Democrats will have the majority in the House still, but they'll have a new House speaker. That will be Javier Martinez of Albuquerque's North Valley, downtown and Barelas. 
often described as a more progressive lawmaker. Martinez has had a hand in cannabis legislation, among a lot of other bills. I think that bringing in a new industry that could potentially bring in hundreds of millions of dollars in tax revenues to local and state uh, uh, agencies is is of the utmost importance. He grew up in Ciudad Juarez in Mexico and Albuquerque as the son of immigrants. Meanwhile, Republicans have also selected a new minority floor leader. We can do things like infrastructure. I think that's really important. Uh, our hospitals have been hit very hard. I think we need to look at uh, allocating some funds there as well. Second term, House Rep Ryan Lane. He represents Aztec in San Juan County in the northwest part of the state where he was born and raised. Uh, Lane owns an ice cream shop with his family. He's an attorney. Martinez and Lane are essentially two younger guys in the state politics. They're both in their early 40s, now leading their party in the House. So with that, I think there are some general questions. Is there more room for compromise or division? And also, I think the second subset of political issues to look at, will crime and public safety take more focus this session? Last year, lawmakers got some tougher penalties for some crimes. They established a law enforcement recruitment and training fund. They also made a push for a rebuttable presumption statute, but that failed. That would essentially mean if you're charged with a certain crime, the presumption is that you'll be held in jail based on the nature of the crime alone. But defense attorneys could also still argue to have that person released. I would guess that that topic of the rebuttable presumption statute will be back on the docket this year. There's also, as well, always this idea that lawmakers say that criminal justice takes more time to figure out. There is a lot more time this year. It's a 60-day session this year. The state is expecting to have billions of dollars of new money to spend when the legislature convenes. And lawmakers are already trying to figure out what to do with it. Leaders have opportunities to make once-in-a-lifetime investments for the state in things like water, rural health, broadband, cybersecurity, just to name a few. But... Those are the once-in-a-lifetime things that we should invest in while not growing our recurring budgets. Our third topic in state politics, we're calling what to do again with the state's financial boom. So New Mexico is in for another round of record oil and gas tax revenues. In short, the state gets a big cut of money from taxes surrounding oil production in New Mexico And this is something that can ebb and flow from year to year. So in mid-December, basically the state's lawmaking budget dream team, the Legislative Finance Committee, they got word that state government will have nearly $12 billion of incoming tax revenue, mostly from oil and gas. It is a lot more than expected. The current state budget is about $9.3 billion. So with that new oil money, the state has about $3.6 billion more to spend than it did last year. That is one-time money. If anybody in this committee is not nervous about spending $3.5 billion, you should probably leave the room. So how does that money get used, you might be wondering. Last year, we saw the state hand that money back to New Mexicans through a few economic stimulus programs and checks you might have received. It's about getting money back in the hands of pockets of New Mexicans. That's great. That's, yes. right? That's awesome. So money in pockets, money in pockets. Well, I, I'm thinking it'll look like this. A couple different rebates um, to help with gasoline costs in particular. Does that happen again this year? Policy-wise, the governor has put a lot of emphasis on early childhood education paying for college tuition for people going back to get their first college degree. She's also signaled the idea of a free school meal program for K through 12 students. The governor's expected to release more information about her spending ideas very soon, 
before the legislative session. So as I mentioned, a 60-day legislative session starts January 17th. It starts with the governor's State of the State address, always something to pay attention to, but lawmakers as well. As the day this episode publishes, they can now pre-file legislation. So expect this first week of the year to be sort of a legislative doozy, if you will. We begin tonight with breaking news. People in Ruidoso, north of the high school, are being told to evacuate immediately. The McBride fire started around 2.30 and is running from the Ruidoso High School area. Multiple structures have already been lost. Good afternoon. How did a prescribed burn turn into the biggest wildfire in New Mexico history? Our next topic. This one, listeners of this podcast know it got a lot of attention from us throughout the year really just dominating the news headlines from April through July. Rain didn't come soon enough for fire season. It has arrived in eastern New Mexico. The 2022 was a historic wildfire season in New Mexico. The state charted its biggest wildfires on record last year. The biggest, of course, being the Hermit's Peak Calf Canyon fire. That burned more than 341,000 acres of our forest lands. Lots of private property, including homes and ranches transforming a lot of those areas in and around small rural New Mexico communities. So while it's really hard to say what is in store for this season, the weather we know plays such a significant role in all of this. But I think one of the questions will be even more so than recent years, what will this fire season be like? Will it be as bad as the last one? And when might things start up this year? Yeah, usually the winds, that's kind of one of the first key indicators. Of course, wind doesn't spark fire, but it can carry it very quickly. The winds usually start up in April. The Hermit's Peak fire initially started April 6th, and that was technically an early start to the wildfire season. Another thing we'll see play out, I think, over the next year is how state and federal agencies will address controlled burns and the assistance that has been promised in the wake of these fires. Governor, let me be clear. We will be here for you in response and recovery for as long as it takes. As long as it takes. Folks may remember Joe Biden made a visit to New Mexico in the middle of the year saying the federal government would pay for all of the damages that it's essentially caused through the uh, Hermit's Peak Calf Canyon fire. Uh, will it follow through? We know that process of rebuilding, it does take a long time. All right, I'm going to have the defendant go ahead and stand. We find the defendant guilty. Let's take a look inside of the New Mexico courtrooms and a few big or high profile trials set for this year. Both of these cases we'll mention with more detail are in the white collar crime political realm. So the first potential trial centers around a longtime Albuquerque lawmaker and former House Majority Floor Leader Cheryl Williams Stapleton. General Lady from Bernalillo. Mr. Speaker, I move that the chair appoint a committee of three to advise the governor. No trial date has been set, but we are expecting that this could be something that occurs in 2023. It could also not be. It's been about a year and a half since the story Good broke. Evening. She's a longtime powerful state lawmaker, and tonight she's under a criminal investigation. The attorney general raided Representative Cheryl Williams Stapleton's home today, looking for evidence of possible racketeering and a potential kickback scheme involving an APS vendor. In July 2021, the attorney general's office searched the home of Williams Stapleton looking for evidence 
William Stapleton used to work for Albuquerque Public Schools, and investigators allege that she spent years convincing the district to contract with a software company to provide services to students. The Attorney General's investigation focuses on a connection between House Majority Leader Cheryl William Stapleton and a business called Robotics Management Learning Systems. But as the Attorney General's investigation shows in court documents, there are a lot of questions about the legitimacy of that company called Robotics and the software services they provided. The AG's search warrant said Robotics's software had just 691 unique users, while APS has 82,000 students. Robotics is sort of a ghost. It claims a website, but it's not operational. And no one can find an Albuquerque or New Mexico business license for the firm. Robotics once had a license in Washington, D.C., but it's since been revoked. Meanwhile, they were paid more than $5 million over 13 years. Investigators claim a lot of that money was funneled into one of Stapleton's businesses called a Taste of the Caribbean. They also say that money was moved into other accounts that Stapleton had interest in. So in September 2021, Stapleton was indicted on 28 felony charges, accused of racketeering, money laundering, using her public office or employment for personal financial gain, also ethical violations. In her resignation letter, she goes on to say, quote, due to the recent allegations that have been lodged against me, which I unequivocally deny, I have made the difficult decision that is in the best interest of the state that I resign. Trial is on what's called a track three schedule, meaning it takes a long time to figure through these processes. It could appear in the courts by the end of November. There's also the expected trial of Paul Krebs. You may remember he's the former athletics director for the University of New Mexico. He right now is slated to go to trial on multiple counts of embezzlement and several other charges in July. Krebs resigned from that job in the spring of 2017 after a scandal that our own investigative reporter Larry Barker uncovered. In short, as the athletic director, UNM says Krebs authorized the spending of nearly $65,000 in public funds for a golfing holiday in Scotland. I saw this as uh, an appropriate use of university money to generate support for athletics. That trip was supposed to help drum up fundraising support for UNM Lobo Athletics, but it also violated the anti-donation clause. And that's because some of the people who went on the trip were just prospective donors, not university employees. After that story got out, prosecutors allege Krebs then anonymously donated $25,000 to cover the cost of those non-university employees. Some other names to consider in terms of criminal trials. Stephen Ray Baca is one of them. He has a jury trial slated for June. It is tied to the 2020 shooting at the Juan de Oñate statue. You may remember there was a big protest there. Protesters were trying to pull down the statue. There were some people who were there armed trying to protect the statue. Baca is accused of aggravated battery for allegedly shooting a protester at the event, and much of that protest and the shooting was actually captured on video. There's also Sergio Almanza. He is expected to face a trial for the deadly hit and run of Pronoi Bhattacharya. He was a boy who was hit and killed while with his dad crossing the street, crossing Central, 
near the River of Lights, December 2021. He's expected to go to trial in March. Then there's Isaiah Garcia. He faces a second murder trial. He was convicted last August of killing a 17-year-old Sandia High School student in 2019. Dozens gathered tonight to mourn murdered Sandia High School student, Sean Markey. At a vigil tonight, family and friends shared stories about the Sandia High senior. Markey was an avid skateboarder who spent a lot of time at North Domingo Baca Skate Park. He was a really good friend. He was the friend that never left by your side. Cameron Harris skated with Markey for years. Albuquerque lost the skateboarder, a brother to the whole skateboarding community, someone very important, and it's not okay. We really need to stop gun violence. He was just a kid, man. His second trial will be for the murder of Kayla Campos, who was 21 years old, shot to death at a park less than three weeks after the Markey murder. Our cold case detectives have been working diligently since uh, getting confessions and information this person had committed these crimes. And there's Paul Apodaca. He is expected to face a trial for one of three cold case murders that he's been connected to, the 1988 murder of Stella Gonzalez. Gonzalez was just 13 years old at the time. She died after being shot in the back of the head. Apodaca confessed to at least three different Albuquerque cold case murders in 2021, and these cases were cold for 30 plus years. So before we exit the courtroom discussion, there is at least one more case to talk about in the world of lawsuits. The New Mexico Republican Party will be making its arguments to the state Supreme Court over the legality of the state's newly drawn congressional district boundaries, which were definitely tested this election. So why is this important? Well, remember, Democrats won all three of the state's congressional seats in the November election, including the lone seat that was held by a Republican. That's Congressional District 2, where Gabe Vasquez, who's a Democrat, he beat Republican Yvette Harrell, the incumbent. I think the voters of this district spoke. Uh, we spent so much time on the road building relationships with uh, communities all across this huge district. And so, you know, clearly it paid off. This all happened in a district that was redrawn to include far more registered Democrats. Not more than Republicans, so to speak, but just more compared to what there used to be. Republicans are arguing that the new district maps, quote, accomplish a political gerrymander that unconstitutionally dilutes the votes of the residents of southeastern New Mexico. So the southeast part of the state, which is oil country, is where the majority of Republicans are in New Mexico. So that case will go to the state Supreme Court for oral arguments on January 9th. All right, so from the courtroom to the broader topic of law enforcement, our next topic here, the changing of the guard in Bernalillo County criminal justice. Uh, Bernalillo County, of course, is important because it is the population center for the state. Much of the criminal activity happens in Albuquerque, in Bernalillo County. And so the people in leadership positions face just a lot of work. A two-term Democrat, Bernalillo County Sheriff Manny Gonzalez is out as the top elected law enforcement officer in the county. John Allen, who is also a Democrat, he replaces Sheriff Manny. Uh, but the bottom line is we have to work together. And the only way we're going to solve this and come to the bottom line solution for all the problems in our county is working together no matter what party we're from. It's a nonpartisan issue of crime. They don't care if we're Democrat, Republican, Independent or Libertarian. 
I think one of the biggest questions might be, will this new sheriff forge better partnerships with the city of Albuquerque and the Albuquerque Police Department? By the end of his term, it was pretty clear that Mayor Tim Keller and Sheriff Manny Gonzalez did not see eye to eye, particularly after the 2021 mayoral election where Keller beat Gonzalez. I don't know what to tell people is uh, pull your head out of the sand and, uh, and let's do something for this city. But I'm, I'm kind of shocked that we're, where we're at right now. I thought we would do uh, uh, a lot better as far as the numbers, but. There's also matters with the Bernalillo County District Attorney's Office. Raul Torres has left that position to become the New Mexico Attorney General. There's also about two years left on his term that his successor will fill. That successor will be appointed by Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. And it might sound a little funny, but the governor's office was literally taking applications for the job through December. Yeah, it is slightly funny because yeah, usually this is not, a, you don't see jobs posted for become the district attorney on right. LinkedIn or something. So that's why we say it's funny. There was an initial deadline to apply by December 2nd, but that deadline got pushed out to December 23rd. So we're recording this ahead of the new year, and it's unclear to us at this point who the governor's pick for that position will be. There are certainly some names floating around, though. Um, Sam Bregman is one of those names that's been uh, floating around, is interested in this position, as well as Damon Martinez. He used to be the U.S. attorney for New Mexico, so the federal U.S. attorney. Um, Apparently, he as well has applied for this position. So it's up to the governor who gets picked. There are a lot of internal applications as well, or a lot of a few um, at least. And I know that the DA's office is somewhat advocating to keep it internal, but we we will see it. It's a big position to fill. Five, three, two, one, release, release, release. Fire, fire. So from picking the district attorney to blasting off into space, making the list for the second year in a row. It is Virgin Galactic. So the ever- What is new with Virgin Galactic (laughs) in 2023, Chris? Please tell me. Uh, So the ever moving, long sought after target of commercial space travel, AKA taking paying customers to space, not government astronauts. The latest date Virgin is offering is the second quarter of 2023. So that puts that somewhere between April and June and Virgin says, they will be taking customers to space. That prediction was outlined in one of the company's last quarterly reports. The same report indicates that the company is hoping to fly passengers to the edge of space once a month. The last time Virgin Galactic flew passengers in the last flight in New Mexico was in July 2021. That was their first and only full crewed flight, and things have been relatively quiet since then. We've got these incredible windows, uh, and Dave and Such, they turn the spaceship upside down. So when you are floating, you're looking out of these giant windows uh, back, at the, back at this Beautiful, beautiful sky, beautiful earth back down here. I said this last year, but I'll say it again. Time is running out for New Mexico in terms of really cashing in on space tourism traffic, I think. There is a lot left to be determined, but I say that because particularly one thing, the lease that Virgin Galactic signed at the spaceport was effective in December of 2008 for 20 years. So if we're in 2023 right now, that leaves just five years left on that lease. So who knows if they'll renew? I think there is some speculation, though, out there that 
perhaps California could steal the thunder of commercial space operations. Here's what Governor Bill Richardson said in October 2010 about what he foresaw for New Mexico's space industry. Well, uh, we've been partners, uh, Virgin Galactic, Sir Richard, and myself in the state of New Mexico. It's a dream come true. It's happened. New Mexico is going to be a leader in the space age, space tourism. Look at all the uh, coverage. Look at all the excitement. This is going to be good for kids, for science, for technology, for space. So it's uh, the best day, probably, of my eight years as governor. And we've done it, and it's a dream come true, and uh, I'm delighted. And my partner here kept this word, and New Mexico kept its word. Some other quick notable items to watch for this year. The city of Albuquerque is expected to open the Gateway Center. That's the big homeless shelter along Gibson this winter. Now, last year, Mayor Tim Keller was forecasting on this podcast that either December or January, 50 beds would be open at the Gateway Center. By June or July, the city expects to open a medical respite there. Then by July, as many as 700 beds. It should have been a cold gun with no rounds inside or dummy rounds, cosmetic rounds, no flash. I take the gun out slowly, I turn, I cock the pistol, bang, it goes up, she hits the ground, she goes down. The Rust shooting investigation, it is also now in the hands of the Santa Fe County District Attorney's Office. The shooting has been the subject of numerous lawsuits, but the criminal inquiry, that remains outstanding. Basically, the question being, will anyone face criminal charges for what happened? And what happens with New Mexico's state's athletic department and basketball program? It is under multiple investigations right now for athletics staff's role in what happened after a deadly shooting on the UNM campus. Basketball player Mike Peake was wounded. A UNM student was killed. We know from police reports that NMSU employees and players had possession of the gun and Mike Peake's phone after the shooting. Evidence that police basically had to go and track down. So there's also an election. Oh. <laughs> Let that sink in. Okay. But really, it is not the regular election you're kind of thinking of. This time, it's for Albuquerque City Councilors. Four of nine seats will be on the ballot. Those include Isaac Benton, Trudy Jones, Pat Davis, Brooke Basson's seats. Jones and Davis both say they won't run for re-election. And meanwhile, Isaac Benton hasn't decided. And Brooke Basson says she will run again. On to entertainment and sports. Hamilton has rescheduled for the third time for 2023. It's finally supposed to be happening at the Pope Joy on the UNM campus in Albuquerque in May. It's also been a hot start for the UNM Lobo men's basketball team as of December 22nd. They've opened the season undefeated with a 12-0 record played some games since we recorded this. It was good to be able to get out of this with a win. Another great crowd. It speaks volumes to what this team has done with this community. So very proud of the non-conference. Could we be looking at a postseason for the Lobos here this year? They're certainly an exciting team to watch with second-year coach Richard Patino now at the helm. up at least some of the big headlines 
to expect in 2023. But keep in mind, it's not everything. Although I think Chris is pretty good at identifying everything that we can talk about. He's pretty much actually the best at it. You wrote these words for me to I, say. I did. I wanted to you, see if you would actually read them. You, and <laughs> congratulations. I, I read it because I agree. I agree with it. And he's, well, also, the, <laughs> he's also one of the most thorough men in the newsroom. I think everyone else would also agree with me oh, about that. So, Well, it's flattering. Appreciate you, you Chris. You. Even I don't though know I had where to write my own compliment in there. but <laughs> I concur. <laughs> the narcissism is thick here uh, on my end. Um, <laughs> so we mentioned at the top of the show, this is the second time that we've done one of these wrap-ups. So let's take a look back real quick. Were we right? Did our What's Big in 2022 projections end up being big? The Fabian Gonzalez trial. We talked about that trial happening. It happened. Gonzalez was convicted on August 1st on all counts after a two-week trial that was nearly derailed by a COVID-19 diagnosis. We find the defendant guilty of child abuse with reckless disregard resulting in the death of a child under 12 years of age as charged in count one. Gonzalez was sentenced in late October to serve 37 and a half years for his role in Victoria Martin's death. COVID pandemic and Omicron spread. We talked about what the virus would do coming off of the end of 2021, where we had a big increase in cases, but fewer hospitalizations. Basically, things have calmed down a lot since February. Uh, Omicron has proved to be continuously the dominant variant and a much uh, less significantly destructive variant in terms of most people who get it are not going to the hospital. I think we think that these current B uh, Q variants are more infectious and less toxic to most people. That does not apply to the elderly and people with immune disorders. Uh, we've pretty much lifted COVID restrictions since February 17th. That's when the governor lifted the mask mandate without warning during a news conference at the end of the legislative session. The mask requirement for indoor settings is gone. Mayor Keller now in his second term. We also talked about while the mayor won re-election, he's going to face a different council that might give him more pushback on city policy. New city councilors Dan Lewis and Luis Sanchez have certainly been vocal about Mayor Keller's decisions. A city councilor is ramping up the effort to stop city-sanctioned homeless camps in Albuquerque. Councilor Dan Lewis is proposing legislation that would divert funding in the city budget for sanctioned camps and we've seen a lot of that surrounding homelessness in the last year. Safe outdoor spaces being approved, then attempts to repeal and defund the program. There was also criticism about his handling of Coronado Park, which closed down in the summer. And there's been questioning of police response times. We also mentioned the 2022 regular legislative session, crime fighting bills and a lot more. We did see some movement in the direction of crime, but as we mentioned, it certainly wasn't a lot. And I think in general, want to state that it was a bit of a mixed bag. We obviously got some wins and we're grateful for those. And we're going to use those going forward to make this city better. Uh, we also didn't get a lot of things when it came to homelessness and also when it came to the revolving door. So we're going to keep fighting for those challenges in whatever round is up next. And we probably will see more this year, but 2022 session did not end up becoming a really big session for crime. We also talked about the Rust movie set shooting. Actor Alec Baldwin fired a prop gun loaded with a live round, 
killing cinematographer Helena Hutchins and wounding director Joel Souza. There's still outstanding questions about criminal charges in that case. However, the DA's office now has the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office entire investigation in its custody something that they received in late October. The DA's office says their prosecutors and investigators will review that report before deciding how to proceed. Recreational marijuana sales, we mentioned that being a big thing. They started on April 1st and we asked, what will the industry look like? Where will businesses be? Any conflicts in the law, changes needed to address that? So far, we really haven't seen any conflicts or like crisis type stories. And a lot of businesses are just open and operational. I think this is one though that will continue to develop over this year. But so far, you know, cannabis is out there and it's on sale. In the June primary and November elections, we asked on this podcast, will MLG win her reelection? What will happen for Congressional District 2? Will redistricting have a big impact? CD2 flipped to the Democrats. It was again very competitive this election. Redistricting is of course subject to a lawsuit that we've discussed. We mentioned Virgin Galactic. I said it was a make or break year. I was not really right about that. Uh, but as I mentioned, uh, 2023 seems like it'll be another <laughs> make or break year, right? People are still waiting, but we'll see. <laughs> The TVT basketball tourney, it happened in Albuquerque. It was well attended. Our sports team covered that. New Mexico's team in this tournament was called the Enchantment. It was full of UNM alums and former high school standouts. They got past the first round and lost in the second. I didn't get to go. Did you get to I, go? No, I didn't get to go. Okay. Yeah, it looked like the, the crowd was pretty big in there, which, as we mentioned, the UNM Lowell basketball team has not been too great record wise over the last several years. Plus you had COVID in the mix there. So it was one of those things where it was kind of like, oh yeah, that's what it's like to see the pit pretty full again. Yeah. Before we go, Gabby, you mentioned at the end of the episode, you said you really wanted to go to the Turnpike <laughs> Troubadours concert, but the tickets were too expensive and they sold out quickly. You wanted to go to more live shows. You wanted to do more podcasts, get in the groove, and hope you get more listeners. So did those things come true for you? I mean, I guess I know the Turnpike Troubadours yeah, thing. Yeah, they're still expensive. Although I will say they added a lot more shows. So mm. I still that's still on my bucket list. I want to see them live. I did get to go to a lot more live music shows. I will continue that this year, actually. I'm really looking forward to seeing Morgan Wade and, and Caitlin Butts are going to be in Santa Fe. So I have tickets to that show. I'll be there. Um, doing more podcasts. We've definitely done that. I think this is episode like 60 something. So mm -hmm. we're yeah. on a roll. Did some more I hope podcasts. everyone's listening. Yeah, more listeners as well. We can kind of see that in the numbers. There are more people getting out there and... Um, yeah. We appreciate you guys. Friend. Uh, Chris, what about you? You got married. It happened. It was the news event <laughs> of the season. I did. I did. It was great. Everything went off according to plan. Um, we had a great time. And, uh, you know, just thanks to all the people who, uh, who came out and all the well wishes I've received through the years. It's been really fun. First year of marriage and, um, you know, getting into those real home ownership, uh, projects, replacing light switches, painting. Oh, that's great. You know, give me your advice, people. What, what are, are you, you looking forward to, though, this year? What's your new new goal? You know, I've got a loft, and it needs to be redone. It's been a big old mess up there. So that's cool. Um, going to be doing more home stuff. And, you know, 
I think you should publish more cooking recipes because I think your cooking is, a lot of people don't know. Chris has a gift. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I I guess I don't really have any huge goals for this year, but I just hope it's a good one, you know? Um, Keep on living the life. Did did a big thing with the whole marriage thing. So that, that was a that was a cool one. What about you? What are you looking forward to in 2023? Man, I, well, I haven't come up with a resolution yet, but I know that like the big thing in my family is like, we're going to have a kindergartner this year. And mm. that blows my mind still. <laughs> so that's cool. Big life changes at our household, but we're excited. Um, yeah, just a new phase of parenthood, I feel like. Yeah. Before we go as well from this episode, we wanted to share some of the New Year's resolutions that were given to us by members of KRQE News 13's newsroom staff. So we're going to play a few more of them for you and get to hear some of the uh, familiar voices of the newscast and what they're looking forward to in 2023. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening. This is Dean Staley. I'm one of the main evening anchors at KRQE News 13. My first and probably most important New Year's resolution is to spend every single minute that I can and to be more present with my 12-year-old girl and my 10-year-old boy. I've got great kids. Everyone who has children will tell you this time goes really quickly. Pay attention, be in the moment, soak it up. And it just doesn't matter. Uh, It seems like yesterday they were babies. And as much as you try to, you know, just be in it and appreciate it and soak it up, it's still just, you can't believe how fast it goes. So that's uh, probably the most important resolution. The other one is to spend less time on my phone. I really believe that our phones uh, take us out of a more um, contemplative, um, deliberate, thoughtful rhythm of life. And I know I spend far too much time on mine. So, but the confession here is that I'm making this memo on my iPhone. So, uh, so far, that particular resolution, not looking great. Um, I need you guys to pray for me. Uh, Wishing you all the very best New Year. Hi, my name is Gabe Chavez and I'm a reporter with KRQE News 13. And my New Year's resolution is to expand my culinary expertise and cook more dishes that I have never tried before. Hi everyone, it's Jessica Gadithi with KRQE News 13. I'm the evening anchor. And my New Year's resolution this year is that I'm really going to focus on my parents and I'm really gonna spend a lot of time with them. Uh, I found out this year that my dad has cancer and it really was just a reminder of how time flies by and that you should enjoy the time you have with your parents. So I have some fun trips planned with them and I'm just really looking forward to Uh, hanging out with them more this year than I usually do. Uh, From my family to yours, Happy New Year. I'm Alexis Gineski. I am a reporter here at KRQE. And one of my New Year's resolutions, or maybe I should say like a New Year's goal, is to explore every city in New Mexico. I have been in the land of enchantment for about six months, so I have a ton of exploring still to do. So if anyone has any good recommendations of their favorite places in New Mexico, send me an email. I want to know. Ann Perrette here, investigative reporter at KRQE. I realized I didn't do as well as I would have liked staying in touch with people, friends, extended family members this past year. So my New Year's resolution is to get a plan together, a doable, 
reasonable plan to help me keep in touch with my loved ones. I'm Grant Tostrud. I'm the chief meteorologist here at KRQE. One of my New Year's resolutions is to finally learn how to ski. Lived here in New Mexico for a few years. If you know me, I love being outdoors. And this is one of the things that I really want to learn how to do this winter. Another one of my New Year's resolutions, though, is that I've noticed, especially in the last year, with just how busy life has gotten, is how fast time flies. This year, I really want to work on enjoying each and every moment and taking advantage of it while we still have the time.